You're on EducateForLife.com radio with Kevin Conover. And if you listen long enough, your faith will become... I'm tired of being conned. Don't worry, the con is over, Shay. We're now at DEFCON 1. Did you say carnivore or carnivore? Would you like to have a conversation with Kevin? Then call 800-243-9719. And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your time and bring your shame. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. You can look up 40 online classes defending the truth of the Bible. It's a great resource if you're the kind of person that wants to know that what you believe is true. And, you know, what I found is um, a lot of people have a fear of sharing the gospel or inviting people to church. And a lot of times that fear is grounded in not knowing the answers to uh, questions people might ask. Like, how do you know God exists? And what about evolution? And all the different subjects that our culture is dealing with. And uh, so my encouragement to you is that if you take the time to get answers to the questions that people have, you will become more confident in your ability to share the gospel. Um, I like to say, you know, apologetics doesn't save people, but what it does do is it enables you to be more comfortable inviting people to church, sharing the gospel and these sorts of things like that. And, uh, you know, yesterday I, I had the opportunity to go to lunch with uh, Dr. John Baumgartner, uh, he's a geophysicist. Uh, he knows so much about geology and the flood. Absolutely phenomenal uh, scientist. And also uh, Dr. John Sanford. I got to go to uh, lunch with these gentlemen and really uh, pick their brains, talk to them, and uh, glean from their wisdom and their experience and their, the, the science that they've done. John, John Sanford is a geneticist. And uh, the evidence he gives for the truth of God's word uh, and that genetics actually matches up with the history recorded in the Bible is phenomenal. If you don't know him, uh, please um, look him up. He's all over YouTube and other resources. And I I reference him a lot in my uh, curriculum. My guest today is Doug Axe. And Doug Axe is the author of a book, Undeniable. And uh, Doug, um, when when did this book uh, come out? Uh, hardcover came out summer of 2016 and then paperback was 2017, about a year later. And, uh, have you had a lot of positive, uh, response to the book? I have, and more positive than negative, in fact, which is, which is nice. Um, so lots of reviews on amazon.com, overwhelmingly positive, like 4.5 stars, uh, which is pretty good for yeah, that's fantastic. plus reviews. Um, it's not that. Uh, I know I've aggravated some people because I've recently had had uh, several people review it. Uh, it. It's a site that's hosted by Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. I can't remember the name of it. They got several people from who are BioLogos affiliated mm. to review it, and I know I've I've um, not got their uh, enthusiastic support for the book. Um, but now, I expected for, that. for our listeners, can you tell them a little bit about who BioLogos is? Well, so Biologus, I don't remember when they were founded. And people sometimes confuse Biologic Institute, which I direct with Biologus. They're two very different things. Mm. Biologus was founded um, by or with the uh, help of Francis Collins, funded by the John Templeton Foundation. Uh, Collins, several years back, wrote a book called The Language of God, I believe. 
and he's a, a proponent of the position that's called theistic evolution. So he's a Christian, and all of these biologos writers and affiliates are Christians who think that Christianity should not um, should give up its quarrel with Darwinism, accept Darwinism as the explanation for life, and um, accord that to God. So that so that. These people think that that uh, Darwinian evolution is how God created life. Yeah. So, so what's interesting here is um, you you give us a little bit of background for um, you know where you're coming from. As in, you know, did you grow up in a Christian family? And I know you weren't always um, you know so interested in biology. You started off as an engineer. Uh, can yeah. you give us a little bit of your background? Sure. Yeah, I actually didn't grow up in a Christian home. Didn't start going to church until I was a teenager. I was 14 when I became a Christian. My whole family, actually, within the space of a few months, um, was interested in the physical sciences back then and ended up um, studying chemical engineering as an undergraduate, did that at UC Berkeley. Wasn't particularly interested in biology, but when I started graduate school, um, I started to take... uh, molecular genetics and biochemistry courses, they gave me a completely different view of biology than I'd had as a, as a high schooler, which was the previous high school experience. So how did it change? School, how did your view of biology change? Well, high school change? biology turned me off because it was dissecting frogs and memorizing the names of the bones and things like that. And I didn't find, it didn't have a theoretical structure to it and it didn't have a quantitative structure to it. But when I learned more about genetics, about the genetic code, about um, sort of the engineering that you see at the molecular level when you when you start to examine how genes get turned off and on. I saw an immediate connection to the engineering I'd studied as an undergraduate, and I also saw a connection to computation because you have this literal code not zeros and ones, but A's, C's, G's, and T's, and each of those has a value of like two zeros and ones, encoding amino acid sequences for making proteins. That all totally changed my view of biology. I thought, this is cool. This is engineering beyond what human engineers have done, and that really kind of ignited an interest in it, not just for the sake of learning it, but for the sake of figuring out whether one could frame the sort of experiments that would be needed to show whether these things could happen by accident or not. I was convinced that I was convinced that they couldn't, but I realized I really wanted to do work that would, that would um, settle the matter once and for all one way or the other. So that, that's really interesting to me because, um, you know, I first heard about uh, what you were doing quite a while ago when um, Stephen Meyer referenced you uh, and the numbers on the possibility of a cell coming to a existence by itself. So for those of you who are out there listening right now, um, you know what what Doug has done, uh, kind of kind of cutting edge science here in a sense. Um, he has looked at uh, what is the possibility or what is the likelihood of life, a single celled organism, coming to existence all by itself. And uh, the title of the book is Undeniable. You can check it out at undeniabledesign.com. And uh, Doug, I'm sure there's a lot of people, you know, that are non-believers that aren't that aren't Christians that really uh, are saying, "Hey, uh, you know, how can you title this book Undeniable? Um, can you really have hard data that can demonstrate that uh, 
that proteins and amino acids couldn't come into exist or, or couldn't arrange themselves by themselves. Um, is this really undeniable or is this just your opinion? And uh, do you really have hard data that can, that can, um, you know, establish that, that sure. idea? Yeah, it's a very reasonable question. Let me, let me read the subtitle. The subtitle is how biology confirms our intuition that life is designed. So what I end up I start the book by saying, hey, we all have this intuition, and this is not controversial, that from, say, the age of four, when we look at a butterfly, we think of it as something that was made by a godlike designer. And people who don't believe in God have acknowledged this. It's uh, psychology professor Alison Gopnik. I quote her in the book, and she's um, referring to the work of another psychology professor at Boston University, Deborah Kellerman. So that's not controversial. These people think that it's a wrong intuition, but they acknowledge that we all have it. I start the book with that intuition as a way of saying, hey, this is worth looking at. The fact that we all have it, even kids who are brought up in atheist homes have this, um, is interesting because it's universal. And can we step back and look at it as scientists and not just as technical scientists, but as what I call common scientists. So everyone does science at a simple level. Can we use the kind of common sense science that we all do to show that that intuition is correct or not? And I argue in the book that we can, and when we do that, we find that the intuition is correct. So it's that intuition that I end up saying becomes undeniable, not because all intuitions are undeniable, but because there's a very simple common sense way in which this one can't be wrong. So that's what the book is about. Oh, very interesting. On top of that, yeah. so you asked, about, you asked about technical demonstration, and I do weave in. I spent 25 years doing laboratory work on this, uh, mathematical work, computational work, um, and I came to the conclusion overwhelmingly, and, and this is the work that Stephen Meyer refers to in, in his books, that um, these things cannot happen by accident. You cannot evolve new enzyme systems which are needed for every form of life. Um, they need intelligence because someone had to know how you put these things together. Um, oh, okay. In the book, I didn't, I didn't well, want to just bombard people with technical, though. I wanted yeah. to give people a simple on-ramp and then also give them little glimpses of, of the technical. That's fantastic. My guest today is Doug Axe, and uh, he is the author of Undeniable, uh, a fantastic book arguing that it's undeniable uh, that we've been designed, that um, all the way down to the very cellular level, um, there is design. So stay with us. We're going to be right back and continue this conversation. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Educate for Life helps you build your life on the rock. LG Equipment helps builders build on good soil. Luke Gibson's team at LG Equipment is your local source for grading, demolition, hauling, and more. Learn about their bulk water services from trucks to tankers to towers at rentwatertower.com. Get your questions answered. Call LG Equipment at 619-988-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-988-0924. 
Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-825-3985. Learn more at ExpressFixCoffee.com. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. I will cast my cares on you. Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is join.educateforlife.org. If you're interested in really looking at the evidence for the truth of the Bible and God's Word and... and um, and Christianity, it's a great way to get informed. I cover all kinds of different subjects uh, that people have questions about. How do you know God exists? How do we know Christianity is true? Why are there so many Muslims or people of other religions if, uh, if you know, we're claiming that Christianity is true? There's a lot of Buddhists and so forth. And, you know, I've interviewed Buddhists on the radio show. I've interviewed Muslims. I think the best way to get at the truth is to really um, uh, talk to lots of people, you know, really get informed, understand what other people think. And uh, we are not all knowing like God is, so uh, we have to use our minds and and hear what other people have to say and their ideas and then um, allow the truth to rise to the surface. And I really think that when you pursue the truth, you end up at Christ. When you pursue Christ, you end up at truth. And he said, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I tell you the truth over 70 times in the New Testament. He was really all about truth. And so I think that to a large degree, that's what we should be about is, hey, let's get to the truth. And my guest today is Doug Axe. He is the author of Undeniable. You can check him out at UndeniableDesign.com. And Doug, um, what, is your, um, what is your organization called? I'm the director of Biologic Institute. And what, what is it that you're doing there at, at Biologic? Um, well, I'm a molecular biologist and computational biologist. The idea of the Institute was to bring together people from a variety of fields uh, in the U.S. and abroad in order to do collaborative research projects from a design perspective. So there's all kinds of people in universities in Europe and in the United States and elsewhere who are interested in approaching their fields from a design perspective. Um, It can often be lonely when you're in that position because you don't have colleagues in your own department. And the idea of the Institute was to give, to to make an uh, academic home for people in that situation to uh, work together and to think together. And if somebody wants to, is interested in getting to know more about that, how do they find out more about uh, Biologic Institute? Well, they can go to biologicinstitute.org. That's our website. 
um, that would be a good place to get a summary of the people who are involved and the sorts of work that we do. That's great. And so if there are, if there are um, other people that are interested in approaching science from a design perspective, um, is that something you're actively looking for, other, other colleagues that um, can join with what you're doing? Yeah, it's not intended. Biologic Institute isn't intended for um, the general public. It would be for people who are in academic positions or academically trained. Um, but certainly those people, anyone who's doing research basically at an academic level, um, who's interested in doing it from a design perspective, I would love for them to get in touch with me and we can, we can uh, make them be a part of it. That's great. Now, um, for our, for, you know, most of our listeners are going to be uh, the average person who's, uh, you know, maybe talking to a relative, they're talking to a friend at a, at a party and, and um, what, what kind of, um, what is somebody going to get out of this book that's going to help them to be able to be more confident in the, uh, the fact that God exists and that we're designed or that a designer exists? Do you approach this as God exists or do you, are you strictly approaching this at, from um, a designer exists? Well, I start, I don't even start with God exists. I start by inviting everyone to the table, including atheists. And in fact, I quote extensively from atheist uh, Thomas Nagel, who wrote a great book called Mind and Cosmos, why the materialist neo-Darwinian conception of nature is almost certainly false. He wrote that as an atheist. So I invite everyone at the beginning, and then I walk through this um, line of reasoning where we're critically examining whether our intuition that life has to have been designed, and we all have that intuition, at least when we're kids, whether that's true or false. And by about two-thirds into the book, I come to the conclusion that it's true, and then I go well beyond simply uh, calling this person who designed us a designer and um, describe myself, my own Christian belief, and then um, give, give evidence that in how the designer made life, uh, he has shown himself not just to be a designer, but a personal creator God. So, Very interesting. And so, um, so again, if you're listening and you want to check out this book, it's uh, called Undeniable by Doug Axe. And uh, Doug, so when I was looking into this myself um, a while back, and I was looking at Stephen Meyer's, um, he was quoting you, and um, he's talking about how a protein is formed, and you have about 20 amino acids that make up the proteins of, of life, and then you have, uh, I've, what the number I've heard is around 250 proteins that make up your um, most simple living cell, is, is, uh, and then the numbers that he was showing was 1 in 10 to the 164, I believe, um, that, a, that amino acids could come together and then make a protein. Is that, am I quoting the right numbers there? The number he would have got from, I'm not sure. Uh, okay. The number he would have got from me would probably be 1 in 10 to the 74 or ten, 1 in 10 to the 77, depending on what it was. But then <clears throat> that's for getting one chunk of a protein, about 150 amino acids in length. If he was looking at multiple proteins, that number gets worse and worse. I mean, you add those, you can add another 75 roughly for every equivalent chunk of protein. So if you needed two of those, it'd be like 10 to the 150. You said 10 to the 164. Well, this, the numbers he gave was, he said, it's, it's um, considering all the different kinds of amino acids to build a protein by chance is one in 10 to the 74. Then he said, it has to be a peptide bond, which is one in 10 to the 45. Oh. And then it has to be a left-handed amino about, acid. 
What? Yeah, he's talking about a slightly different. I approach the problem assuming there's life and then saying, how would you get new proteins given that there's life? In Signature in the Cell, um, Steve Meyer is actually asking, how would you get the first life? Okay. And so that's much, <laughs> that's even worse. Because not only do you have to get amino acids to link up, but there isn't, apart from life, a way to get all 20 of the amino acids in the correct form. They're either left-handed or right-handed in ordinary chemistry. Life only uses the left-handed ones. So you have a much worse problem that you have to sort out things that aren't sorted out apart from life. So so is the premise of undeniable, is the premise that, hey, uh, statistically, from a probability perspective, this just isn't going to happen? Is is that the overall kind of thesis? It's uh, it's not simply stating that. It's showing the reader why that is the case. And there's a difference between statistics here and probability. Statistics is what you use when you don't know um, how something works and you're just looking at results and trying to decide whether it fits one model or another. Probability um, can be much more rigorous in that you start with your model and then say, well, if this is true, then these are the numbers. Um, so I work with probability, not with statistics. Start with the model that life happened accidentally. You can then put numbers on the improbability of that happening, which is much more rigorous than statistics. Although people often use those two terms interchangeably, they're actually different. Okay, I hear what you're saying. So, so if somebody were to, you know, the probability, if somebody were to say to you, well, it could happen, I mean, is that, how, do, how does somebody who is uh, an advocate for evolutionary theory and, and the idea that uh, this could have all happened naturally uh, by chance, how do they respond to your book? I mean, how do they respond to the, the evidence that you're giving? Um, different, it depends on where they're coming from. We've had, yeah, not to my book, but to the technical work that I describe in the book, we've had a number of responses. We did uh, laboratory work where we were looking at whether um, the evolutionary process could retool an enzyme. So an enzyme is a protein that does some chemistry whether it could con- can convert the, the, the enzyme to do, say, reaction A to reaction B. And we looked at two very similar-looking enzymes, and we ended up finding that the number of changes you would need to go from A to B is so large that this would never happen, even in you know, billions of years. Now, interestingly, the response from scientists on that has been to say, well, we never said that the A you picked turned into B, we think they both came from some, you know, C that predated both of them. We said very clearly in the paper where we, where we demonstrated that A to B doesn't work, we're not trying to replicate history, we're simply trying to show whether natural selection can get you a new function. <laughs> so it's a very general question that we're asking. When we show that it doesn't work, the response should be, oh no, the whole theory is in trouble because we're assuming you can get new functions when you have selective um, conditions that would benefit from new functions. Um, instead, they say, well, that's not the one. that We don't claim that that one ever happened. We're just claiming that lots of other ones happened. Okay, so, very common. so I want to I actually talk a little bit more about natural selection and uh, this, sure. this claim that it can get you a new function and, and hear your, your opinion on that or your, uh, what, your research on that. Um, we're, we're on a break here. Uh, we're, we're coming up on a break. And uh, we'll pick right back up here. 
Hi, this is Kevin Conover. Will you please donate to Educate for Life so we can share the truth of God's word with kids in public schools? You can donate online at donatetoefl.org. The Bible used to be read in public schools on a regular basis prior to the 1960s. But today, most kids are completely clueless when it comes to the content and the historical and scientific accuracy of the Bible. Please help us by donating online at donatetoefl.org. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Hi, I'm Marissa Conover, and I would love to help you buy or sell your home. I've worked as a realtor for more than 13 years, and as a San Diego native, my passion and experience will help make your move as peaceful as can be. Call me at 619-251-1577. That's 619-251-1577. Or visit conoverhomes.com. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? I've never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. I'm giving it Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. Um, in May, I'm going to be having um, a, a conference with Eric Buer and Danny Ray. We're going to be talking about um, we're going to be talking about your faith in. Uh, schools in education. We're going to be talking about the freedoms we have in California specifically, but really around the country um, to be Christian in school. There's been a lot of um, misunderstanding about what it means to have separation of church and state. And we just want to clarify some things and encourage those that are involved in education, administrators, teachers, parents, students, about What's actually legal um, in the state education code? Eric Buer is an expert on the state education code. He is um, the founder of Gateways to Better Education and uh, a teacher for a very long time. So we're going to be talking about that. It's May 15th. I know that's quite a ways away, but um, we're already starting to promote it. So 6 to 9 p.m. Please check it out. Uh, EFL Danny Ray. You can register there if you'd like. And uh, that'd be fantastic if you could join us. My guest today is Doug Axe. And we're talking about something that generally is not um, taught in schools. Uh, is this taught at the college level at all, Doug, what you're, what you're talking about here? Well, my perspective on it, that it can't happen by accident, yeah. no. You get, you get the opposite, that it can happen by accident. I'm going against the text, textbook orthodoxy, and if you get an education in the life sciences, you'll only get the textbook version. 
And and uh, why, I mean, why is that? Why it's 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 kind of an echo chamber. Um, if there's any dissent, you're you're really uh, kind of uh, looked down upon. Uh, is is that changing? Is that going to continue? And and why is that happening in, in general? Uh, well, that I'm not an expert on that. I can only guess. I've yeah. experienced it. Um, it is this echo chamber phenomenon. I do in the book describe the book Undeniable, describe my removal from my position in Cambridge that was part of this whole phenomenon. So I have been educated, so to speak, on how political the academic enterprise is. It's not, I think we naively think that scientists are only about the truth and will happily acknowledge that they're wrong if there's proof that they're wrong. The fact is scientists are human and they behave like humans uh, with the ups and the downs of that. Um, you see very political self, self-interest playing itself out in the scientific community all the time. So and you, one of the ways... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, one of the ways is something that's very similar to ordinary bullying and peer pressure, that um, people are not free to say what they think in the scientific community because they fear the sort of um, mistreatment you get if you step out of line. And there are a number of examples of this where people who thought they had the freedom to say something like, I'm skeptical of this, or I don't think this theory is very strong, and they can get um, really punished by their peers in various ways. Now, you said said that you yourself had experienced that. I, well, I was removed from a, a position at the Medical Research Council Center in Cambridge in 2002 can over you, the intelligent design. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah, I, there was a newspaper article. Uh, it, I had been funded by the Discovery Institute for several years. That was not an issue until, in other words, I wasn't concealing it. It was known by the center there because they were receiving funding from Discovery Institute. It only became an issue when intelligent design became very controversial over there uh, because of some schools that were teaching it alongside evolution in 2002. And suddenly it became hugely controversial in uh, February, March timeframe of of that year, 2002. And a newspaper article in March uh, named me and my affiliation. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I received a, an email, not from the director of the center where I was working, but from his assistant saying, not, not giving a true explanation, but saying, we've run out of space. We need you to leave, basically, by the end of the month. So that was the end of my position there in 2002. But, and you're convinced that that wasn't because they actually ran out of space. It was actually because of... Well, it would have been a space that was exactly the size of me, as I say in the book. No one else had to leave. Um, and in an interview later with uh, New Scientist magazine. Um, I don't remember the year here. It could have been around 2008, 2005, somewhere in there. Um, The journalist interviewed me to write an article about Biologic Institute, which is the um, organization that I direct here in Seattle. Um, When the article came out, it was evident she had also interviewed Sir Alan first, who was the guy who fired me. And he acknowledged in that in that article that he had been pressured by someone at the center to remove me because of my affiliation with intelligent design. And in the article, he says, I, I said, that's not the way we work around here. And the article doesn't actually get the facts right. It, it describes me as having kind of stormed off 
Um, but that's not what happened. So, so, so um, that's thus why uh, biologics exists is because you're trying to provide a little bit of a safe haven for those who want to approach the research from an intelligent design perspective. Yes, including myself. <laughs> Once yeah. I was removed from there, I needed a place to do science and to publish scientific work, and a new nonprofit became the solution to that. That's great. Uh, yeah, I interviewed David uh, Copedge. Um, are you familiar with yeah, uh, yeah yes. and, and his yeah. whole scenario? Yeah. Um, so, so um, back to what we were talking about, natural selection, um, when we left off on the last segment, um, you were saying that natural selection can't provide uh, what's necessary in order to get to higher function. Can you expa- expand on that? Yeah, well, there's an obvious problem with natural selection. And I think when I describe it to people, when I'm giving talks, they can't believe it could be that obvious. In other words, I think those people who believe in natural selection are smart. Surely they see this problem. The obvious problem is that um, nothing gets selected until it works, right? So selection, natural selection is, is the benefit that accrues to a um, variant within a population if it has something that, that its peers don't have and that something benefits its survival, right? But that only happens once it has the benefit already, Okay, so the question, the, the problem that natural selection doesn't explain is how that benefit first appeared. And this has been recognized for um, a century or more. I mean, it, it's been given the term, uh, so, someone quoted someone from, I think, uh, 1904, I'm recalling, saying natural selection may explain the survival of the fittest, but it does not explain the arrival of the fittest. And it clearly doesn't. It just logically doesn't. By the time something is selected, it already exists, which means selection is not the explanation for how these things come to exist. Uh, but wouldn't somebody, wouldn't a biologist say, yeah, that's, that's where the mutations come, come in, the genetic mutations that provide uh, the source of these uh, ad- advantages uh, for the organism? Well, you already have equivocation in that line of reasoning. They may well, but if you ask a biologist, what is the thing, what's the blind watchmaker that Richard Dawkins described in 1986, it's not mutation, it's natural selection. Because everyone realizes if mutation is random, then problems like 1 in 10 to the 74 can't be solved. So they appeal to something that's not random, which is natural selection. The problem with natural selection is it's only after the fact. So your choices go with something that's random and clearly cannot solve Uh, cannot overcome these improbabilities or go with something that's non-random, but it only kicks in after the problem has been solved. Oh, very interesting. That's really, that's really in a nutshell what the the whole thing is about right there, what you just said. Okay. um, When we come back, um, I'm going to have Doug Axe repeat that just because I feel like that is really the, the kind of the linchpin here holding uh, or what we're talking about, why, uh, you have so many problems with evolution. If you're listening online, uh, please feel free to type me a question. If you want uh, this, it's not often that you get to talk directly to um, Doug Axe. So if you have a question for him, he's an expert on this. So this is a great opportunity for you to bring up some questions you might have about evolution and his book, Undeniable. We'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? Never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30, and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. How much time and money do you spend buying lattes and espresso drinks? Express Fix Coffee invites you to discover super automatic espresso machines for your home or office. Enjoy delicious coffee drinks at the push of a button. Dave Martin and his local team help you choose the perfect machine for you. Call Express Fix Coffee for new or used espresso machines, repairs, parts, or accessories. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Dave at 619-825-3985. There's got to be more. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. If you're just tuning in, if you're on Facebook and just joining us, I see a couple people on there that have uh, popped into the, um, uh, the live feed here. So if, if you're listening, if you're live and you have a question, um, if you have a friend you want to ask a question who doesn't know God or believe in a designer, uh, this is a great opportunity to talk to somebody who's an expert in this. Uh, he's a molecular biologist, Doug Axe. And uh, he's written a book called Undeniable. The website is undeniabledesign.com if you want to pick up a copy of the book. It's a fantastic tool to be able to share real hard evidence that we were designed. And uh, Doug, so, you know, uh, what was the impetus behind you writing this book? I mean, um, as far as I know, nobody has written a book quite like this and you um you're kind of cutting edge here is anybody else doing this type of research that you're doing um i think you know an early book taking uh intelligent design perspective was michael behe's darwin's black box back yeah. in 1996 i think now he's a bona fide biochemist uh he knows what he's talking about he wrote a book that was not citing his own work, but benefited from his experience as a biochemist. And he wrote it for non-scientists. So he would be kind of an early entrant in the area. I think what's unique about my book, uh, a couple of things, I hope, are unique. One is that I'm not just experienced by having worked in the field, but I've actually worked on the problem of um, the mechanism of evolution. And I've spent decades on that. So it benefits from direct experimental investigation of whether Darwin's theory works at the molecular level. 
and the other thing that I think is special about Undeniable is that I'm not simply trying to, to simplify a technical argument. I'm arguing in the book that there's a non-technical argument you don't have to have a PhD to get that connects to your basic intuition that life is designed and it's actually correct. So I, I do talk about some of my technical work, but I do it in sort of um, a simple way and I only introduce it after I've already made the argument without having to do technical argumentation. Now, now on a personal level, um, how has your research impacted you? How long have you been researching this, uh, this subject matter? About 25 years. So, so when you started, um, did you hit upon things that you weren't, weren't expecting or did by and large you get the results you expected? Um, well, that's an interesting question. There was uh, a paper that I authored that was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences back in 96, I think, um, where I had uh, randomized the interior of an enzyme by replacing oily, the, the 20 different amino acids fall into different groups according to whether they're salty or oily, roughly speaking. Um, and the inside of these proteins are always oily, and the outside tends to be more salty, water-loving or water-hating. And I did a project where I randomized the interior of an enzyme and kept the amino acids oily, but otherwise let them change wildly. And I found that these uh, randomized versions, a substantial fraction of them, worked. Um, and it was a very surprising result. I was surprised. I expected that they would all be broken, but they weren't. And uh, that was a very well-received paper, a surprising result. Uh, most people consider it to be a surprising result. Huh, interesting. So how has this research changed your personal you know, view of God or anything, or has it changed it at all? Has it affected your, your uh, relationship or your faith in God at all? Um, my faith came before the research. Mm -hmm. I think I went into it feeling like there isn't clarity on this. I think I know what's right, but if I'm right about what I think is right, uh, someone should be able to show that it's right. And so it did give me, it gave me confidence that good science can be done. And referring back to this 1996 project, I thought after that, well, if if these things can be randomized on the inside, maybe they can be randomized on the outside as well. And it turned out that they couldn't at all. They totally broke on the outside. So I ended up surprising myself and others by showing that the outside is as important, uh, is more important than people thought, because people used to think the outside was not important. It was all about the inside of these enzymes. Um, it didn't change, it didn't change my worldview. It, I gained some confidence in the ability to answer hard questions with science, but I also got a real education I described in the book on sort of the sociology of science, on, on the humanness of science. Because I went to the, into this expecting that if I got the right result and it was rigorous, everyone would concede and it would be the end of Darwinism. Well, that was extremely naive. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get how human the whole thing is. And if people don't like your result, it doesn't matter that they're scientists, they're human. If they don't like your result because it pushes against everything they've done, then they will suppress it. They don't want to hear it. And that's as true in the scientific community as it is in politics or big business or, any, or anywhere else, really. Yeah. 
Well, uh, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I, I think, um, yeah, people people don't want to believe something, and sometimes uh, it doesn't matter what evidence. I, I had an unusual experience where uh, I had a guy I was debating. He was an atheist and uh, brought him to my church, and we, we did a little debate in front of the class, and he said to me, I was giving him all these scientific reasons that, um, you know, God exists and uh, that God is true, and he said to me, you just don't get it. And I said, what don't I get? He said, I'm not an atheist because, because – um, uh, the science proves atheism. I'm an atheist because I want to be an atheist. And that really took me aback. I was kind of like, wait a second, what? Wait. <laughs> yeah, that is a very honest, and that's what Thomas, I referred to Thomas Nagel before. That's what he says. He's, he says, I just don't want there to be a God. And I think it's a refreshingly honest atheist who says that because you have these other ones like Richard Dawkins who pretend that if you do science, you're pushed into atheism. And that's just simply not true. Atheists are atheists because they don't want to acknowledge God. It's not because someone has proven that, that there is no God. That's nonsense. So would you say that the scientific evidence, as far as you're concerned, and, and um, I, I don't know how much you go outside of your particular field, your particular specialty, but would you say overall that the scientific evidence is uh, more strong for the existence of God than not? Overwhelmingly so. Mm-hmm. And, and my book is about a simple example of that, but I give several examples of it. In other words, uh, I reject the idea that um, only people with PhDs can figure out whether we are cosmic accidents or not. I overwhelmingly reject that. I think everyone can see the truth there, and you can see the truth in simple scientific terms. So nobody has to be um, intimidated by, you know, fist-pounding atheist scientists with, you know, lots of degrees. Everyone who's interested in this, and we all should be, can be very confident that life is designed just by doing some simple reasoning. That's what I described in the book. Oh, that's very good. Um, Because, yeah, I I think a lot of people are intimidated by, hey, I'm not this PhD scientist. You know, I had Lawrence Krauss on the radio not too long ago, and I said, so can you explain to me, you know, how... um, you know, what nothing is and how everything came, the whole universe came out of nothing uh, or your definition of nothing. And, you know, he very emphatically began to uh, say, it's obvious that this is what happened and everything. And I think a lot of people are intimidated by that because he's got credentials through the roof. And so um, my guest today is Doug Axe. And a big part of his book is on that the average person can feel confident about the viewpoint, their intuition that God exists. So I want to expand about uh, on that a little bit. We have one segment left. If you are, um, if you are listening online, if you're listening on the, on the stream, uh, please feel free to send some questions to Doug Axe. Uh, I'd love to hear what you're thinking about what he's saying. And if you have some um, questions you'd like to ask him, please feel free to do that. We'll be right back. We have one segment left. For 36 years, Fastlane Kayaking has helped people like you experience everything that's great about San Diego. Fastlane makes fishing and water sports fun and easy. Hobie Cat kayaks feature a popular pedal system, not paddles, keeping your hands free as you fish. You no longer need to tow and gas up a boat to experience great San Diego fishing. Call or come in for your no-charge demo ride, 619-222-0766, fastlanesailing.com. At Dana Landing 
Marina across from SeaWorld, 619-222-0766. Luke Gibson of LG Equipment supports Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Luke grew up in the construction industry and now serves LG's commercial and residential customers throughout Southern California. Whether you need grading, paving, hauling, demolition, on-site bulk water service, water trucks, tankers, and towers, call LG Equipment at 619-998-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-998-0924. Hi, I'm Marissa Conover, and I would love to help you buy or sell your home. I've worked as a realtor for more than 13 years, and as a San Diego native, my passion and experience will help make your move as peaceful as can be. Call me at 619-251-1577. That's 619-251-1577. Or visit Conover Hi, this is Kevin Conover. Will you please donate to Educate for Life so we can share the truth of God's Word with kids in public schools? You can donate online at donatetoefl.org. The Bible used to be read in public schools on a regular basis prior to the 1960s. But today, most kids are completely clueless when it comes to the content and the historical and scientific accuracy of the Bible. Please help us by donating online at donatetoefl.org. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Welcome back to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. And uh, on May 15th, if you're interested, love to have you join us for a big conference on education and Christianity and um we're, the event is meant to inspire and encourage Christians in education, students, parents, administrators, uh, and teachers. And you can register if you'd like on EFLDannyRay.com. Danny Ray is a world-famous uh, illusionist, and I've actually had him on the radio program. He loves the Lord, and he uses illusions to um, reach people that uh, that are captivated by uh, his sleight of hand. And it's amazing. He did some stuff on, on my program. If you want to check it out on a previous show, uh, absolutely uh, mind-blowing stuff. And uh, he's going to be sh- sharing there, sharing the gospel. Eric Buer is going to be sharing on... Uh, your freedoms and the state education code. He is an expert in the education code. He's endorsed by Chuck Colson, uh, Gary Bauer, and many others. And he's going to be encouraging teachers about their rights and what they actually can do. And they don't have to be afraid of uh, sharing and where those lines are. What, when am I crossing a line? What, what's appropriate? What's not? And uh, I'm, I'm going to be sharing also briefly on the historical accuracy of the Bible. The Bible is an amazing book that is the most accurate ancient book in existence. It's absolutely phenomenal. I actually got to talk to a gentleman yesterday who um, they have now found in 14 tombs of the pharaohs. They have found um, artwork that represents um, the Exodus and the parting of the Red Sea. With uh, It's just phenomenal what he's doing. He's going to be coming out with a book in December of 2018 and uh, should be absolutely um, incredible. So my guest today is Doug Axe. 
and he wrote the book Undeniable. Uh, it's undeniabledesign.com if you want to pick up a copy of the book. He's with Biologic Institute. If you are a scientist out there, hey, we need more scientists that aren't afraid to uh, to kind of stick their neck out there and say, hey, I'm not just going to go along to get along. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sold out that uh, God is real, and I want to continue to pursue research that confirms um, what we intuitively know to be true. And uh, Doug, I wanted to kind of end our our last segment here, uh, talking a little bit about that. Um, so, so when somebody is intimidated by somebody like uh, Lawrence Krauss or um, a lot of the other scientists out there, who Richard Dawkins and others who say, uh, and you'll hear this frequently said, you'll hear somebody say, um, "Hey, all scientists believe in evolution. Um, if it if it wasn't true, they wouldn't all all believe in it." And uh, so what would you say to the average person? And, and you even have people like Francis Collins, who you mentioned earlier, who, uh, you know, is an expert on the human genome, uh, who believes in theistic evolution. Um, what would you say to the person who says, hey, um, I, I don't feel equipped to be able to deal with this and I, I hope I'm right, but I don't feel confident that I am. Uh, can you share, expand a little bit on, on what you say in your book to encourage people like that? Yeah, well, it's very understandable because um, this thing is discussed as though it's a technical subject. I'm talking about this thing being the question of whether we are cosmic accidents or whether we were made by a personal God. At rock bottom, I believe it's not technical. I believe it comes down to basic, simple facts. Um, what I try to do in the book is equip people to um, know that their intuition that life is designed is correct, and I connect it to our, we have an uncanny sense of coincidence as humans. We, we can easily look at things or hear stories and know that can't be true because it's too coincidental. And what I do is I leverage that sense that we all have and show that um, remarkable functional designs, things that have parts within parts, and all of the things are oriented toward uh, providing a high-level function. So this is take out your smartphone, don't break it open, but if you did, you'd find thousands of parts, and they're all there to make the whole thing work as a smartphone. That's true of everything that we make, that we invent as humans. It's true of a written paragraph. The little things are the letters to make words, to make sentences, to make a paragraph. Little things within bigger, bigger, bigger things, all serving the top-level function. When you see things like that, we automatically know that they can't be accidental because someone had to know how to arrange them. And you can do the math. You don't have to, but you can do the math to show that, in fact, they are fantastically improbable um, as accidental occurrences. They can't happen by accident. Is this the, is this the watchmaker um, argument, essentially? It, it, it's, it's my interpretation. So I, I uh, coined a term that's called functional coherence, which means, and that refers to this state where you look at something and it's got a bunch of parts within parts and all of them are serving a top-level function. So yes, that's exactly what happens when you look at a watch. It's a thing that tells time. Well, how does it tell time? It's got a whole bunch of things inside it that are all just so in order for it to work as a watch. Um, so Paley's watchmaker argument is is an early version of what I'm calling an argument from functional coherence. We don't do math as easily as we recognize unbelievable coincidences. So what I wanted to do is connect our natural intuitive sense of coincidence 
so that I can show people who don't do math so well that whenever you see a coincidence of this kind, you don't even need to do the math because it always ends up being impossible for it to happen by accident. And I do that by doing the math for just a few cases to show people why you always get the same result when you look at these problems. That's that's interesting. Now, is this related to um, William Dembski's uh, design inference? Is that is there a relationship? It is, there? and yeah. you can. Although I didn't relate it in the book, um, I think it gives you the way Dembski argues this is uh, small probability with specification, mm. and it's a slightly more technical notion because you have to understand what specification is. I kind of get around that whole way of doing it by saying. Um, what do you need to have something that we recognize as an invention, something clever? And it turns out you don't have to talk about specification if that's where you started your analysis. What are the, what are the things we consider to be clever that you need to know how in order to do? They all have this property called functional coherence. And if you look at the probabilities, you always find things with functional coherence are staggeringly improbable as accidental outcomes. They're not improbable as intentional outcomes, so we can easily write a paragraph or send a, a text message, but that's because we know what we're doing. It would never happen by accident. Mm, okay. And, um, you know, Anthony Flew, um, you know, he wrote that book, There Is a God, before he passed away, and he talked about integrated complexity. Is this also, is this related to what you, you're writing about, functional yeah, coherence? Yeah, all of these, so the, there have been several people who have argued for design. Yeah. Uh, for Michael B., it was irreducible complexity. Um, flu referred to what was it integrated complexity, complexity. Yeah. Um, and Dembski's um, uh, design inference based on small probability and specification and there may be several others as well I, I think the reason you have lots of different ways to approach this is it's true and it's always been true and we've recognized this um, as long as there have been humans there have been humans who recognize the work of someone intelligent um, I I connect this to childhood because I think, um, you know, before you're two years old, you're already noticing the things that people do because you want to do the things that people do. And you're, you're basically noticing functional coherence, um, things that you need know-how in order to do. And those are the very things that don't happen by accident, I argue in the book. That's fantastic. Well, we're, we're just about out of time here. So Doug, I just really want to thank you so much for being on the uh, program today. And, uh, for those of you who are listening, um, this will also air this upcoming Saturday. If you have a friend who needs to hear this kind of information, please share it with them. Uh, you can also check out the YouTube channel, Educate for Life Video, uh, on YouTube. Uh, this will be up on YouTube also. And I uh, really appreciate you being here with us today. And uh, again, Doug, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So um, if you're interested in his book, it's undeniable. You can pick it up. It's all over the place uh, on the web. But uh, undeniabledesign.com is a great uh, place to pick it up. And if you are a scientist who wants to explore more about intelligent design, please uh, visit biologicinstitute.org, biologicinstitute.org. And uh, again, thanks a lot for being here. We will uh, see you next time. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. 
Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit educateforlife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243-9719 or email kevcon at educateforlife.com. That's K-E-V-C-O-N at educateforlife.com. You will always be much more to me And every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right But that's alright 